I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Greg Garcia, who is Executive Director for Cybersecurity at the Health Sector Coordinating Council. Hi, Greg. Hello, Marianne. So, Greg, as we wrap up 2022 and look ahead to 2023, what stands out to you as the most significant developments in healthcare cybersecurity, the good and the bad? I would say the good is that um, as our critical partner, Department of Health and Human Services, is beginning to organize itself uh, strategically to work with the sector and develop a good strategy for how to deal with healthcare cybersecurity. It is a multifaceted problem. It requires work on the part of the private sector and it requires work on the part of the government, not just by regulation, but through incentives, through joint programs and initiatives, information sharing, and uh, HHS, uh, I believe, in 2023 is really going to be able to step up and assist us uh, and be a, a strong partner and help us think strategically about the future. What about the bad? Anything that stands out? Uh, the bad is just that the attacks keep coming and we are increasingly seeing how ransomware attacks and, and other cyber attacks on the industry can and do impose patient harm. And that is why we are in this business is health care to treat people who need health care. And if we can't do that because of a cyber attack, that is the bad, that is the existential. And that's never gonna go away. It's like crime, but when are we gonna stop crime? We're not going to stop crime, but we have to constantly be trying to, if not keep up with the attacker, then, then stay ahead of them. So you brought up ransomware, and as you know, we have seen quite a few significant ransomware attacks on health delivery organizations and their critical vendors this year. Are there any common threads that you're seeing in terms of security weaknesses or inadequate preparedness that could be playing out in the outcome that we've been seeing? Any red flags that healthcare delivery organizations and their critical vendors should be paying more attention to? Well, I'm not focused personally on a lot of the technical and operational attack vectors. I can say that as a general matter, often attacks are happening because somebody within an organization has been conned. Somebody has clicked on a link or opened a web page that is infected, which becomes the vector through which an attacker can gain access to critical networks and data and then wreak havoc. And it's not to, not to say it's putting it all squarely on the day-to-day um, -day user of technology within an organization, but um, that's typically called the insider threat, the inadvertent insider threat by mistake. And that is truly one of the biggest difficulties with any organization is to keep the employees well-trained and alert. On top of that, you know, common threads are the use of email um, as, as a vector, the use of potentially medical devices uh, as a vector into, into networks, and that enterprises need to have a layered defense strategy um, that's, that's going to block access at various layers in the network. And 
that can be expensive and it can be very complicated. And the adversaries know that and they are able to uh, exploit those weaknesses and uh, do their damage. So, Greg, with uncertainty involving the economy, how might that potentially affect cybersecurity and healthcare, do you think? Well, it certainly puts a strain on budgets across the ecosystem. As uh, hospitals continue to recover from the strains of pandemic, um, as supply chains continue to hamper manufacturing, whether it's medical devices and pharmaceuticals, all of this puts a strain on budgets where the C-suite has to make decisions and choices and trade-offs between where critical investment dollars will go. Um, It is often that uh, investment in cybersecurity is one of those areas that will get short shrift because too often um, hope is the strategy. I just hope I don't get hacked. And there becomes a risk appetite that says, I'm willing to take that risk. I, I, I can't increase your cyber budget. We need to put this money into more healthcare. We need to buy a, a, a fancy new machine so that we can attract more patients to our hospital. So economic pressures uh, always put pressures on, on budgets and on cyber budgets um, as well. So those are the decisions, um, those are the judgments that uh, the C-suite will have to make uh, as to what is their risk appetite. So, Greg, we also always see a lot of consolidation in healthcare mergers and acquisitions. How do you think that contributes to the state of cybersecurity at some organizations that have grown through mergers and acquisitions but then find themselves the victims of major attacks? Any emerging lessons from any of these sorts of incidents? Well, the process of of a merger and acquisition, um, imagine just bringing on over the course of several years new network dynamics from the organization that you've acquired. How have they managed their network? What are its deficiencies? How do you integrate it into into your system as a cohesive whole? And if you multiply that over over many times where a larger hospital system is going to be acquiring more smaller systems, that process of integration has to take place. That is costly, it is complicated, and in that transition it creates vulnerabilities that you you don't necessarily have control over all of those entities that you've acquired or merged with until the integration is done. And that can take two, three, four years to get it right. And in the meantime, you have all of these issues about asset inventory. Where are all of our machines? And where, where are these networks? And what's on, on these networks? And how are they protected? This is very complicated program management. And, and again, in that process, you have, you have vulnerabilities that are exposed. What should we be watching for from HSCC and its cybersecurity working group? What should we be seeing in the weeks and the months to come? Well, um, we have so far, since 2019, published 15 documents um, that are best practices, guidance documents by the sector for the sector across a range of cybersecurity functions that, taken together, would constitute um, a strong strategic cybersecurity posture. We have in the pipeline to be, to be published in the next six weeks, six to eight weeks, three more publications. 
one on artificial intelligence, how should, how should cybersecurity professionals think about artificial intelligence when it is being used in the clinical environment or in other enterprise environments? What are the cybersecurity concerns about that? Think about that before you, before you implement it. It's not saying, not saying don't implement artificial intelligence, it's just what are the things you need to be thinking about from a cybersecurity perspective. The second one uh, to be published is very exciting. It is going to be our second publication that is done jointly with Health and Human Services. The first one, uh, widely known as HICCUP, the Health Industry Cyber Practices from 2019, was, was done with HHS, and now um, we are publishing the NIST Cybersecurity Framework Implementation Guide for Healthcare. That has been two and a half, three years in the making, and it is specific guidance for healthcare organizations how should they implement the NIST cybersecurity framework? What are the operational steps that they need to take? And as we came to nearing a conclusion of that report, HHS said this, this is important for us to be a part of, and they put it through their process. And so together we're going to be releasing a joint seal publication, and hopefully that additional imprimatur from HHS will get the attention of the healthcare industry will get more attention from the healthcare industry and they will, they will sit up. Finally, we've talked about legacy medical devices. Who's responsible? Who's accountable for the cybersecurity of medical devices as they age in the clinical environment? At some point, there is a transfer of risk from the medical device manufacturer to the health delivery organization. When does that take place and what is the patching responsibility? There's a lot of complexities to that. This document is going to be over 100 pages long. It was hammered out over the past two and a half years. Uh, for the past year or so, we've had two meetings per week, an hour per meeting to go line by line between HDOs and MDMs negotiating what that guidance should look like. So those are three publications coming, coming forward very soon. Over the next year, we are going to be particularly concerned about, uh, focused on our five-year plan. Our five-year plan is, all right, how has healthcare industry changed over the past five years? How have we addressed those cybersecurity challenges in the healthcare industry? But now, what does the healthcare industry look like five years from now? How is it evolving? It is evolving rapidly in many ways. The digitization of healthcare, uh, the distribution of home healthcare wearables, consolidation of the healthcare industry, as you've talked about. This is going to be presenting new and continuing cybersecurity challenges, and we need to be prepared for that. So we are embarking on a five-year strategic plan uh, to look at the future of healthcare to um, identify the cybersecurity challenges and then to determine what we need to do to meet those challenges. And that's a long-term project, but it's all hands on deck. And we're, we're, we're going to get there, and I'm optimistic about the future. And finally, speaking of looking ahead, any predictions for the year ahead in terms of cybersecurity trends in healthcare? Well, I would say it's not so much a prediction as an observation that we are seeing potentially a more assertive government, which can be good. We want to work with them, as we saw in the news a couple of months ago. The Deputy National Security Advisor in the White House for Cybersecurity, Ann Neuberger, uh, announced that she has directed Health and Human Services to work with the industry to develop minimum cybersecurity controls. Okay, um, we don't need to start over. We have the hiccup, health industry cyber practices. We have um, many other toolkits in our arsenal 
um, that we can draw from to decide what are those highest priority controls that would give us um, the, the most security, the best bang for the buck. So we will be working with them on that. Meanwhile, we have, um, we have moves in the Congress to get more assertive, to get more proactive about cybersecurity. And so these are good things, and we just want to make sure that it is that all of these disparate efforts, whether it's coming out of the White House or whether it's coming from CISA, whether it's coming from HHS or the Congress, that it's coherent. It's, um, sometimes you would say it's a good problem to have now that a lot of people are paying attention to cybersecurity in healthcare. It's also a challenging problem to have when a lot of different organizations want a piece of the action. So we, we just have to work uh, thoughtfully and proactively and make sure that we get it right. Let's not complicate our efforts, let's facilitate them. Well, thanks so much, Greg. Always a pleasure. I've been speaking with Greg Garcia. I'm Marianne Kolbezak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for joining us.